does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. All right, we'll get back into the Colts conversation here. Coming up, Joel A. Erickson, again from the Star, going to join us at 9. But let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline right now. And a big-time event coming to Indianapolis in February is the NBA All-Star Game. And the NBA All-Star Weekend includes Saturday night festivities over at Lucas Oil Stadium. And again, this is something uh, to do with whether it's dunk contests, three-point contests, skills competition. Um, going to be really cool, and a lot of people can get into the building. A lot of people right here in our own backyard have an opportunity for that later today. And for more on that, Danny Lopez from the Pacers joins us here. Uh, Danny, first off, good morning to you. Thank you, as always. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Uh, walk us through what entails today. I think I've got the details right, but uh, I feel a little bit uh, better if you're the one that kind of details everything yeah. for what fans can get a hold of today. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting day because we're going on sale at, at 2 o'clock uh, this afternoon for uh, for that first batch of, of tickets to All-Star Saturday night. I mean, if, if, you, uh, if you're like me and you grew up in the 80s, All-Star Saturday night, that dunk contest, three-point three contest, I mean, that's that's really – some of the most memorable moments, I guess, from, from All-Star. It's kind of what everybody takes away. And uh, and to be able to get that many people, 35,000 people, into the building, doing it at Lucas Oil, uh, you know, we, we try to do these events differently, as you all know, and, and this was a, a big push for us to try to make this more accessible. So those tickets go on sale. It's $24, $49, $79 tickets, but they're going to fly. Uh, we've restricted them to people in Indiana, so you can only purchase today if, if you're in an Indiana zip code. Um, but it's NBA All-Star 2024.com at 2 p.m. And those things are going to fly, and so we, we want people to get in. And is this the one and only wave that will be made available strictly for Indiana residents, or will there be more to follow once more tickets become available? How is that going to work? I mean, so for Indiana residents strictly, yeah. The NBA hasn't said yet what they're going to do, how they're going to put all the rest of them on sale. And a lot of that will be through NBA experiences or NBA packages. So if you want to get in, you want to make sure you're in the building, this is the chance. So uh, 2 p.m. today. Okay. And give us that website one more time, Danny. It's NBAAllStar2024.com. Got it. NBAAllStar2024.com. Again, 2 p.m. today, 10,500 tickets available. Those price ranges, um, boy, when you consider the 2023 market, extremely affordable. Again, this is for Saturday night of All-Star weekend um this might be a more of an nba related question but do we know yet how the tickets will be divided up for sunday of the actual all-star game which is over at gamebridge Fieldhouse? we don't we're working through all of that the league is working through all of that we won't know that for some time uh so you know i mean i think we've got we've got several months obviously there's gonna be several months of announcements we'll be making announcements around you know where things are going to go and where all the events will be held we know that the all-star game itself will be at Gamebridge, and, and now, of course, we know that uh, Saturday night will be at Lucas Oil, but all those those details are going to be coming together. I mean, the thing that we want to make sure that people understand, and we, we just hit on this every chance we get, is whether or not you're coming to Saturday night or you're coming to Sunday's game or anything else, uh, there'll be an HBCU game, there's a rookie game, there's the celebrity game, there's all these opportunities. And then, of course, you've got Fan Fest that's happening downtown, and you, you just have a ton with All-Star, a ton of pop-up retail 
We'll have DJs. We'll have all kinds of things going on downtown uh, for people to, to enjoy. So we want to make sure people understand they can come downtown, enjoy the festivities, whether or not you're coming out to one of the games. I think it's a fantastic idea to have an All-Star Saturday night at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's more fan-inclusive. Uh, is this kind of like a test bubble for the NBA as far as future All-Star games are concerned, where they might do the All-Star Saturday nights in bigger venues and then have the the Sunday actual game in the arenas? Is this kind of like a test yeah. bubble for everything? Yeah, so again, we always we always push the limits. I mean, when you, when you think back about you know to, to the Super Bowl and the engagement around the Super Bowl Village and everything else, I mean that was sort of breaking the mold for the NFL. And we that's the approach that we take is how do we push the NBA to do different kinds of things? And they're great partners and they're really anxious to make this a great event. Um, you know, having this done this way certainly is different. When we were in Salt Lake City last year for for that one, I mean, I think the the least expensive seats for Saturday night were several hundred dollars, I mean, like $500 seats. Um, and, you know, you, you did it, they did it in the arena, so it was sort of confined to, in, the, in that capacity. This allows us to do different things. We're taking a, a group. The host committee's taking 2,400 tickets and distributing through, through local community centers to make sure we get people in there that even at these price points couldn't, couldn't pay for these tickets. Uh, we're doing things. We're working with Indigo, so the bus services for this entire stretch of, of events is going to be free for anybody. And also, we're extending services so that people can get in and out of these events uh, in downtown at, at late hours when they end. So, I mean, just trying to do this in a different way, so it's not just an event that happens on Saturday and Sunday. It comes and goes. It's super corporate. We're trying to make this ours and have people feel ownership over it and, and give people access to it in, in a different kind of way than we've ever done. Again, Danny Lopez with us. He's got the longest business card in the entire Indianapolis area, Vice President for External Affairs and Corporate Communications at Pacer Sports and Entertainment. Um, walk us through best you can just a rough schedule for that weekend. Again, Saturday night, Lucas Oil, we know skills competition, dunk contest, three points. Sunday, the game at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Mm-hmm. Friday, if I'm not mistaken, in years past, it's kind of been like the Rising Stars, maybe the celebrity game. And yeah. we know the Rising Stars, you know, Andrew Nemhard, Benedict Mather, and those guys have taken part in that here recently. Do I have that Friday part right? Am I missing anything Saturday, Sunday, anything on Thursday? So it hasn't, none of that has been confirmed yet. So I don't want to get in front of the league, but obviously you hit those two uh, last year. That's how it was. And you did hit those two events, which are big ones. The celebrity event is always big. The rising stars event is always big and we'll surely have players in that as well uh, this year. Um, Then, you know, last year they started the HBCU uh, game. So we'll have HBCU teams uh, playing in here. You also have open practice. You have media day. You've got a number of things. And then, of course, FanFest, which, you know, we, we haven't announced it, but obviously it's going to have to be in a big venue downtown uh, to have um, to have FanFest come in. And that's, you know, tens of thousands of people coming through uh, to, to kind of experience everything that there is about about NBA All-Star through FanFest. So um, so there's those kinds of events. But, again, what, what I would say is the beauty of, of All-Star that makes it different from pretty much every other event uh, of this kind is – just the number of organic things that just pop up and things that are going to be open and ways that restaurants are going to take advantage of this and bars are going to take advantage of this and retail will take advantage of this. I mean, I I think if you come downtown, you're going to know that you're in all-star, you're going to feel it because we're going to set it up so that you feel it right out of the gate. Um, And then, uh, and then when you're here, there's going to be just so many things for you to do and get involved in uh, even outside of these, of these games. 
Danny Lopez joining us on Kevin and Query on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Danny, every time I drive past Gainbridge Fieldhouse, there's something going on. There's a lot of renovations going on. What's the latest going on there, and uh, when's the next phase going to be completed? Yeah, so we are done. If anybody's been been there, folks have been there, it's, we're done on the inside of the building, completely done. The plaza's the last piece, and you can see that. If you drive by, you can see the final uh, touches being put on the on the big public art uh, pieces that are out there. And then we're going to be doing something, hopefully here in August, to open up that plaza officially uh, and, and get the ball rolling. And then, you know, you've got the commission row. Uh, the, the the event center and restaurant and speakeasy that's happening right on the plaza that's being built. That'll be done in time for All-Star. You know, so all of this is happening in and around the building. And then, you know, essentially from a, from a construction standpoint, from the buildings and, and, and the plaza, we're done, which is nice. I mean, we've been in this for three years, essentially. So three-year, $400 million project, second largest in the history of the league. So it's been a lot of work, a lot of renovations, a lot of construction, and hopefully uh, when we get out of this year, we'll be done. Okay, Danny, I want to make sure we have this right one more time. 2 o'clock today, 10,500 tickets will be for sale to people right here in the state of Indiana. Uh, the ticket ranges from 24 to 49 to $79. This is for Saturday night, All-Star Weekend. Uh, Ticketmaster, can they come over to the box office there? Is there a maximum number of tickets? Anything else that I'm missing there from that? There's a maximum There's a max number of eight tickets per purchase. Okay. And, um and, and and they should go to the to the to the site NBA All Star twenty twenty four dot com is is the way to do it and and again it's it's ten thousand five hundred tickets so it will fly there's a lot of interest in this so I encourage people to get on uh, early and and make sure they they hold their spot. Great work by you guys. Great work by obviously the people here in the city of Indianapolis. Continue to find unique ways to put on marquee events. I think this is an awesome idea. Getting more people into that building, helping us out from a local standpoint. Uh, for fans to have access to that and doing it at a pretty affordable price range when you look at what typically are those prices for Saturday night. Uh, again, Danny Lopez, Vice President for Ex- External Affairs and Corporate Communications at Pacers Sports and Entertainment. Danny, hope to see you uh, soon, probably at the golf outing coming up here in a, in a couple months. That's right. Always one of the best events. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to good weather. I'll Love it. Out there. Thanks, Danny. Thank you, Danny. All right. See you. See you, guys. Thanks. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, 9 o'clock hour here. Kevin and Query on a Monday. Jake will be back tomorrow. He is en route from Iowa after doubleheader this weekend on the IndyCar circuit. Uh, tomorrow we'll be in Westfield for Colts training camp report day. Um, tentatively scheduled to have DeForest Buckner and Ryan Kelly join us for that. So looking forward to chatting with both of those tomorrow and somebody that will be up there as well as the fun is over, um, I guess, unless his brewers continue to own my Reds. Joel A. Erickson joins us. We need to get that wager figured out for me, too. I know, I know. Joel, why are the brewers so good against the Reds? Pitching. Yeah. That is the big difference. The Reds pitching stinks. Well, it's it's less about, I think it's less about, because the, the Reds pitching has actually been pretty good against the brewers' terrible lineup. 
Um, but I think it's more to do with uh, that's that's how the Brewers beat teams anyway. And so I think that when they when they go up against the Reds, that that pitching usually beats a lineup, and that's usually what that's that's what's happened. Now I will say this series coming up. Uh, as a notoriously pessimistic fan, I'm thinking the tables mathematically have to turn at some point. So I'm I'm terrified going into this week, going into this, this three games. What do you think the pie chart is on pessimistic fans versus optimistic fans? Just like in general sports, is it like ninety ten pessimism? Yeah, probably. Probably there's there's like different there's different levels though. Um, you know because you have like the pessimistic fan who just like thinks like. Uh, it's not going to happen when their team is bad. But then you have, like, like I'm in the category of even when my team is good, I still think they're bad. Gosh. And there's no way that things could go well. We so. need a, and I view Joel as, like, a friendly, happy individual. <laughs> not during Brewers games, no, like apparently. No, I trust me. I've, I've, I've seen him watch Brewers games uh, from our from our media perch at uh, during Colts practices, occasionally when there is a day game or something along that end. We need a friendly wager before we get off the air with yeah. Joel. Yeah, we do. Again, Joel Erickson is with us here from the Star. Report day tomorrow for camp Wednesday, the first practice. Tomorrow we will chat with Chris Ballard. Joel, uh, give me your top three questions for the GM. How does he feel about Jonathan Taylor's contract and everything that's going on with the running backs um, in general? Um, where's what's where's where's Shaq Leonard on his on his injury journey back? And uh, how many, you know, how many reps? What's the plan for Anthony Richardson? I feel like that that covers anything. I'm not. Are you worried at all that Richardson hasn't? Or should Colts fans, I guess, be worried that Richardson hasn't signed his contract? I'm not yet. Maybe I'm being naive. I keep thinking it's going to be like, I don't know. He walks in the door and signs it. Yeah, um, that's a good point. So I I don't know. I know he's been back in Indy, but. I can't. I can't remember exactly what the. I think the NFL rules are like when you're supposed to be. The CBA rules are when you're you're off. You're technically not supposed to be there at all or something. Um, so I keep thinking. I keep thinking it's going to happen like today or or tomorrow, at the at the latest. Um, if if it, if he is for some reason not in camp, then yes, I would be worried because he's a rookie quarterback who needs as much development as possible. I just can't imagine it. There's there's not a lot in these contracts to haggle over, especially the first-round ones. So I just keep thinking that it's something that is probably going to happen here soon. Um, like I said, maybe I'm being naive. I'm with you, Joel. I think if it bleeds into Wednesday, then then the warning flags start going up a little bit. But until then, I'm cautiously optimistic that it'll get done before then. Indy Stars, Joel A. Erickson joining us on the Payless Liquors and Hotline. It's Kevin and Query. Uh, Storylines outside of Anthony Richardson, Jonathan Taylor, and Michael Pittman Jr. contracts, and Shaq Leonard. Joel, uh, what else has your attention heading into camp? Depth at cornerback. Well, starters at cornerback, but depth at cornerback and what? What's who's who's the backups on the offensive line? Um, it, are, are big ones for me. Uh, just just because slot receiver throw slot receiver in there too. Josh Downs versus Isaiah McKenzie, presumably. Um, but those those two positions, cornerback and offensive line, have felt thin all off season cornerback obviously got thinner um and they haven't uh, i've seen some some signings and some visits from veteran corners colts haven't really made one yet necessarily um that that position is one i'm very interested in both of those positions because the offensive line thing you know people care 
a lot about the starters, but I mean, just based on previous camps, like there's a good chance that like, you know, we're finding out who in, in a week or so we're finding out who who's the top backups right now, just because you know someone's got something nagging and they're holding him out. I mean, that does. Kevin and I were kind of talking about that earlier. That with offensive line, it's almost like they've just run it back and said, "Okay, everyone had an off 2022 season. Let's see what happens in 2023." I mean, is that how you view it as well? That they're basically running this back and seeing what happens, blaming yeah, on coaching betting, more than personnel. Yeah, they're betting heavily. I think on. Um, and KB's made this point. I think they're betting heavily on the idea that, that the young guys, Ryman and, and Fry specifically, are going to continue to develop. And that part of part of what we saw from them last season was was their their rawness or, or lack of lack of polish so far. Um, I, the the depth tackle the depth situation from an experience standpoint is is nerve wracking to me. Even because even if those guys even if those guys continue to take steps forward. And, and there, there probably is reason to believe, especially with Ryman, who was a third-round pick who had only played two years at tackle. Like, it, it makes sense that it took him a little while. Like, we should have – like, that's, that's what you expect from a third-round pick at tackle. If he was a, a ready-made starter, he would have gone in the top ten pick. Um, but, but what if one of them gets hurt? You know, what if, what if somebody gets hurt? The, the Colts have had – Offensive line injuries, and that's that's not out of the ordinary. Everyone has offensive line injuries. Who who's who's the backups if in case people get hurt? Is is Blake Freeland the, the top swing tackle? Um, that that stuff is is interesting to me. In terms of, uh, I know we had the season where every offensive lineman started every game, but it just that that was such a a, a one off miracle uh, that it's it's hard to expect that to happen again. Yeah, I mean to that point, I had. Um... Did a most indispensable cult list for this season, Joel. I put Braden Smith atop the list because if Braden yeah. Smith gets hurt, Blake Freeland, yes, in, in my mind, based off what we saw in the spring, he is your top swing tackle. So you would have a rookie tackle in Blake Freeland, a fourth-round pick. We're not even talking first-round pick or second-round pick. Uh, Freeland as one tackle. The other tackle would be Bernard, Bernard Ryman. Bernard Ryman had never played offensive tackle in an in a American football game three years ago. Like it, it's, yeah. just, it's wild to think about the youth – at both of those spots, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to argue with with putting it there. Kenny Moore probably pretty high on the indispensable Colt list yep. for me too, just for the same reason. Essentially, um, you know, Kenny's a proven player at cornerback. They don't have really anybody else who who fits that bill in terms of somebody that we've seen do it year in and year out. So, so those two guys, I think, would be probably be at the top of it just because of of how, how inexperienced they are behind them. Admittedly pessimistic Brewers fan, Joel A. Erickson, <laughs> with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline, which gives me hope as an admittedly pessimistic Reds fan, heading into a major <laughs> series here over the next three days. Joel with us as Colts report to camp tomorrow, first practice coming up on Wednesday. I want to go back to Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman in those situations. I want to leave it pretty open-ended. Um, Joel, I know you do, I think, an outstanding job of not just saying stuff to say stuff, but when you do have stuff to report, um, it's super credible. And, and, you know, to me, I think everyone's ears should open up. Um, so I'll leave it open-ended. And do you have anything on the Taylor and or Pittman extension talk front uh, leading into camp? Not not right at the moment. The, the Taylor contract The Taylor contract is interesting to me. I, I want to hear what what Jonathan has to say himself, especially given this Zoom call that the running backs were on and everything that's gone on over the last 
last week um, because I I kept thinking the middle ground was you know a, a shorter deal, maybe more money, but a shorter deal, um, kind of the way Nick Chubb took a deal. And Chubb was, I believe, I I don't believe Chubb Chubb was on the call, so I wonder what he what his voice was in it. But with running backs sort of joining together, um, like has that, I wonder if that's changed things at all. I wonder if that's that's kind of why I want to ask Chris Ballard. I mean, Ballard's going to – I know what he's going to say. He's going to say I don't really talk about the contract stuff. Um, but we still, I still want to ask him about it. Is, is does, does the, the way things have gone for running backs, is that going to change the tenor? Of, is that going to change the way this is going? Um, Do you think Taylor would sit out, or is that a stupid idea with one year left on his contract? Yeah, I don't think you do it with one year left. You you run you run the Le'Veon Bell sit out, and what happened after that is such a cautionary tale. I think. Um, so with one year left on your contract, I mean, maybe you do it, but I I don't think so. Um, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting situation. The, the the way the the way the running backs have sort of banded together and made this a cause, it I feel like it changes just the the tenor of everything that's going on because now if you're going to sign a deal, I think I think there's pressure externally from others at your position to go for go for the the gusto, you know. He's Joel Erickson of the Indianapolis Star joining us on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Speaking of that Zoom call, Joel, I mean, I saw some of the names. Austin Eckler organized it. Nick Chubb was on that call. Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey. Have you heard at all if was Jonathan Taylor on that included in that call as well? I saw his name, yeah. He was. Yep. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I saw his name. Um, and I, I, thought, I thought that Taylor's, right before we left, right before everybody left, the the facility when we talked to him about his contract the fact that he was so open about it and you know believing in the value i thought that that was a, a sign that we were going to see maybe a different different attack uh, from him than we've seen in the past because previously previous to that he'd really say it said almost nothing other than i want to be a cult about his contract he kind of deflected all that um, and we were all surprised when he opened up so uh, i i there there's an element of the running back position that's that's it's just it's just a different thing. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't know if I remember in to be my ninth season covering NFL. If I if I ever remember like a position group sort of banding together the way they are. Yeah, I I would agree. And maybe the presence of social media just brings a little more of that out as it continues to be such a prevalent thing. Um, last thing, Joel, on the Taylor Pittman talk for me, and, and I'll give you my answer too. And I know it's a question that doesn't have a lot of concrete info to it yet I think eventually if we're having this conversation in July 24th 2024 I think both guys are still Indianapolis Colts um, if I gave you four different answers they both eventually sign extensions with the team that's a B is neither sign an extension of the team C is just Taylor D is just Michael Pittman what letter would you go with I, I lean towards a as well with you and just just because that's that's what Chris Ballard believes in is is signing guys who've been stars. When we asked him about, um, when we asked him about, can you pay running backs? He said when they're special, yes. Um, Ursay at the owners' meetings is something that sticks out in my mind. As just, you know, he kept bringing up Jonathan Taylor as a special player that they need to get healthy and need to get back. Um, 
it it feels like the organization values Taylor um, pretty highly. Now, obviously, who knows what the what the ask is, whatever. Um, uh, in terms of in terms of the contract, I'm also fairly confident that there's probably levels they're not willing to go to. But ultimately, it does. I'm kind of with you. I feel like it, they they end up keeping their own. Interesting. Uh- Joel A. Erickson, I've got a question for you, uh, one that's kind of going under the radar given the, the position stars that are Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew. One guy going under the radar, Sam Ellinger. <laughs> is he working on being a third quarterback for the Colts? Will they carry three, or is he putting on reps and tape for another possible destination? Uh, both. I mean, it's, it's both. It's it's kind of like, you know, will he force his way onto the roster? Um, because... <laughs> I understand the number, the number, you know, crunch and, and people worrying about that. Uh, I also think with the practice squad that teams feel like you can maybe use that third quarterback a little bit more, um, especially now that there's the emergency thing, which Kevin and I hate. We hate that there's no more oh, random man, emergency quarterback on. possibilities out come there. Come on, Wildcat with Zach Pascal. Hell, that would have been better <laughs> than some of the quarterback play they got last year. That's fair. Uh, you know, so, so I think that, 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 that rule probably changes a little bit. I, I, I do think that, I do think that with, with, with him specifically, you know, I think that they look at him as somebody that just because of everything else that's around him and, and kind of, you know, maybe the way he played in that first game that you can probably develop in, into a backup. But I also think that there's a, there's a chance that if you play poorly during the preseason, it's a new coaching staff and, and the same practice squad extension that applies to all the other positions on the roster applies to the quarterback too. So I, I think it's possible that that you know maybe they feel like they can sneak him through this year if they in a way that maybe they didn't last year when he was still sort of an unknown commodity. And obviously, um, we all know you know there was the uh, ownership liked him quite a bit. So it, I could see it going either way with him. I really could. Uh, in terms of on the roster, off the roster, on the practice squad, I assume there's going to be a third quarterback around somewhere, though, because now, now it doesn't count against your your active game day roster because they're they're taking they're taking the the possibility of random triple options away from me and Kevin. <laughs> yes, exactly. Very disappointing, particularly a fullback. I'd love to see a fullback in those triple options. Uh- one thing to note, just three quarterbacks on the 90-man roster. I don't think that's too shocking. You want Anthony Richardson, I would think, and Gardner Minshew to get as many reps as possible here in camp, but uh, no fourth quarterback as the Colts open up camp tomorrow. On the Richardson front, Joel, and again, Joel A. Erickson joining us here for the Indianapolis Star. Him and Nate Atkins, outstanding coverage as they are back from well-deserved time away before things now ramp up for the next several months what do you think Anthony Richardson needs to show the Colts to be under center week one? I, I think just that he can have the passing game be somewhat close to the effectiveness of, of what Minshew was doing. Um, I, I don't think it has to look, I don't think it has to look great. I don't think it has to look um, because they, you know, Ursay said it a couple of weeks ago again in another appearance. You know they they want him to play, and that's been the message from the organization uh, publicly, especially from ownership and from Steichen and from Shane Steichen. That's been the message basically since they drafted him. And so I, I don't think that the bar is 
Like we have to be sure he's got everything down. I think the I think the bar is lower than that. I think the bar is is you know can he handle what we need him to do on game day in terms of making the calls and checks and and knowing and can we can we build a game plan that we that he can use and put into practice? And then I think they're going to live well. Um, I'm going off of what they've said, but it, it feels like they're going to live with if maybe the polish isn't there right away as a passer. I, I, I send Indy Star today, but I think the running game aspect of it, I don't think there's any reason to to think that, that him and Taylor, if they're both healthy in, in the backfield together, aren't a dynamic oh, for sure. combination. You know, If you look at the history of running quarterbacks in the NFL, that's not there's no adjustment period there. They just They just come into the league and – and start carving up defenses. The passing game, I do think we're going to see some some hiccups and some development. We're going to have questions about it. I, th- I think that that's probably just realistic based on the history of rookie quarterbacks and based on Richardson's own history. We're going to see some stuff with passing. But that running aspect, that stuff they have, that's not available with Minshew. Um, and so I, I think that as long as Richardson can handle um, can handle a game plan, I think he's going in. Yeah, I've kind of settled on two things, Joel. I've almost separated myself from the Minshew versus Richardson aspect to it. Again, this is me. I'm not saying this is what what the Colts are doing. And I've got two questions. Can your O-line block adequately? And if that is a check, which I guess remains to be seen, the other question comes from what you just said there. Can he handle a scaled-down game plan that Shane Steichen creates and caters to obviously his strengths? If the answers to those two questions you can you know put a little check mark next to, I think he should be out there week one. To me, it's le- and I don't think we saw a huge gap difference between Minshew and Richardson, particularly later in the spring. But I kind of get away from that and get a little bit more into all right, O line check. Uh, can he handle a game plan? Check. Yeah, the game plan thing is is the key because um, I I don't think as an offensive coach that you want to hamstring a guy by going out there and just saying we're going to run something well we kind of saw this a little bit towards the end of last season when when Jeff Saturday was a head coach you don't want to hamstring a quarterback by everything is so simple that the defense can read the book completely you want to be able to put together some kind of game plan now Steichen's pretty good at that with young quarterbacks he's he's done it with Herbert he's done it with with Jalen Hurts uh, his history is doing that but you, you want to be able to have some kind of game plan it does, you can't have the remember the Titans offense where you're running six plays um, and just waiting for it to work. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing to me. Um, offensive line, offensive line is probably a good, a good thing to worry about. It's, but but Richardson, I wonder if they think that Richardson's Richardson is sort of more natural at evading, or at least he was at Florida, is more natural at evading the rush than even other mobile quarterbacks. And so I wonder if they feel like, you know, even if they have some issues there, that he can navigate it. Joel A. Erickson of the Indianapolis Star joining us just for a few more minutes on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, uh, Shaq Leonard's status heading into training camp is a pretty big unknown. Obviously, heading into the season, a big unknown. What are your expectations, if any, for Shaq Leonard in 2023? Uh, I, I, I'm just kind of letting this one. I'm just going to kind of let it play out. I, I want to like. I, I don't want to guess, um, because. And this this is why. So last year he was coming back. He was playing. He was trying to get on the field. We finally, when we finally saw him get on the field, I said, you know, by his own his own words, he said, you know, he couldn't move the same way. Um, but he also told us that he felt like he came back way too early. Um, and I, I just have so 
little history with this injury or this surgery that he's had. I, we, we don't see it very often. Um, or it's not like it's not like an Achilles or an ACL where you sort of have like an idea of just about every year, every team in the NFL has someone coming off of an Achilles and someone coming off of an ACL. And so you get some kind of idea of like what the timelines are. What, what Leonard is dealing with and what he had surgery on I, I don't know that I have – I don't know that I – I don't think I've ever covered another player who is dealing with it, um, especially at a, at a position like linebacker. And so uh, I kind of was thinking this about this summer, and I was thinking, you know, maybe the way to look at this is just this is a chance to try to figure out, like, okay, what what is this injury? How does this affect a player just in case it comes up again? You know, maybe it doesn't. But I don't I don't have that sort of – baseline of what to expect and it sounds like from it sounds like using last season as a baseline for what to expect is a mistake given that he went back and had surgery again i mean we're talking nerve damage leg pain two back surgeries last year the back surgery didn't happen until june having a june back surgery with you know five months of the offseason unfolding without doing anything that obviously isn't ideal. It, it's just one of the wilder injury situations I've seen for a player that also is playing linebacker at 215 pounds and has to be in peak, peak athletic shape from a lateral movement standpoint to you know play at the incredible level that he has has played at in his career. Yeah, and his his explosiveness, you know, he he did a good job the last full season he played of figuring out how to work around his lack of explosiveness when the, the calf wasn't firing. But we all know that, that his explosiveness is key and it's key for, it's, it's more key for um, that, that, that first step explosiveness. That's more key for linebackers than it's ever been before because of what they're asked to do um, in terms of coverage and the way teams spread the field and stretch people out now. So it, it's, it's clear that it's pretty important. Like I said, he can, we learned from, seasons ago that he can um, turn in a pretty good season, especially from a turnover production standpoint, even if he's not at completely the guy who came out of uh, the guy who was a rookie right away. But you got to have some of that explosion back. And that's, that was what I remember, you know, I think one of the times he opened up on the injury to us, he was talking about that was one of the biggest things for him. Um, one of the biggest frustrations for him was not, was looking at himself on tape and not seeing that. You know, uh, just because you, you have to have it. I, I don't know that – well, we all know that the, the days of, of being a linebacker and kind of making up for a lack of explosion with everything else are, are probably pretty much gone. So he's got to get some of that back. But, but obviously, once you get him on the field, if, if you can get him on the field as, as Jack Leonard, even if it's the one from two years ago, like just think about how many turnovers he had in that season. And it's, it's a big boon for the defense. All right, Joel, before we get you out of here, we kind of teased it already, but the Reds at Brewers <laughs> for three games. I've got – I want to see a, a wager happen between you and Kev here. Uh, how about this? <laughs> uh, I'll throw this out to both of you guys. You guys let me know what you think. If one of your teams, whoever takes two out of three, the loser has to either run shirtless or oh, wear – or wear – hold on. I mean, or wear I mean, the opposing – the opposing Put mayo team. in my coffee. I mean, what, what else? Will you do let me do? finish real quick? Okay, <laughs> the loser has to either run shirtless or wear the opposing team's shirt across one of the practice fields at training camp. 
a, a lot of uh, clearance with the Colts. And, oh, there's and, plenty and, of pra- there, There's plenty of at the Kid City or whatever it's called, Colt City, Good. and their staff with that. I will happily don. Well, not happily, but I will reluctantly don a Brewers shirt of Jules' choice um, on one of the morning practice shows at Colts camp, and I will buy Joel a six pack of beer. That's weak. Okay, that's that's yeah. I'll do that. I'm not doing the shirtless thing. I'm not doing something. You've that's had Mike about. Wells and Chris Hagen both tear. I believe both tore their Achilles trying to do athletic events in the public eye here. Joel, I I don't. I mean, I, I think we talked about this before. Joel, you got banged up earlier this year, correct? Yeah, the ankle the ankle got back. The ankle got back in time. It's it's healthy, but um, you know, it, I I just I just am very conscious. There's a lot of fans out there. There's a lot of fans out there with a lot of phones. Mm, that's no, right. Yeah. No that's the point. To put something on the internet that's going to be there forever. I'm yeah. not saying you guys got to break a 40 time here. I'm just saying you could jog 100 yeah, yards yeah, and then you break a, then you tear an ACL and all of a sudden <laughs> who's laughing now? Kevin, I'm shocked considering you were willing to go shirtless for Michael Shrewsbury. I'm shocked oh, that you there do. are you, you don't know, have that much faith in your Reds. Well, yeah, for good reason. 2 and 8 against the Brewers. Joel, I will don a shirt and uh I've got an Ellie De La Cruz shirt for you. How does that sound? That's, that works. That okay. works. And I'll, I'll, I'll reciprocate the six-pack of beer. And so this is just strictly winner of the series? Yeah, two yeah. out of three. Right. Or clean well, sweep, whatever it is, whoever wins the series. Why, why couldn't we have done this at the beginning of this? I uh, know. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd, already, I'd already be in the – 